0: Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk I'm going to be reading all of 1 Samuel chapter 17. Now 1 Samuel chapter 17, you may not know it, but as soon as I start telling the story, you'll know exactly the scripture I'm talking about. Now I'm going to jump about a bit. In the scripture, uh, just to let you know, but you can follow it on the screen. So, one Samuel seventeen forty, and a champion, and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits. And a span, he had a bronze helmet on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Obviously, you know we're talking about David and Goliath here. Uh, And he had bronze bronze armour on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out, to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants of Saul, choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. Moving on to verse 41 and 43. So the Philistines came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. A bit like myself. Eh, so the Philistines said... Uh, so the Philistines said uh, to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And Philistines curse David by his gods. Okay. The message title is called The Flip Side," uh, But there's a subheading. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Here's a subheading coming up. Uh, it's Predictably Irrational Breakthrough. Okay. So that gets you thinking right away. Uh, you're not going to... Uh, that intrigues you. What does I, do, do I mean We are predictably irrational breakthrough? Well, you find out as we talk... A professor in America called Dan Arley, a professor in behavioural economics at North Carolina University through in-depth studies over 20 years has concluded that virtually every area of our lives are determined by our expectations and not our experience. Uh, Michael Greber, author of the book called The E-Myth, I've read that a few years ago, a brilliant book said we all have the visionary power and creativity to be an entrepreneur. We all have qualities that can change how we do things. However, most don't. Because at some point in their past, many have learned helplessness. Helplessness is learned. Helplessness is when there is answers to problems but we don't think there is answers to problems. Helplessness is learned. So is optimism. Optimism is learned. Pessimism is things happening to you. Optimism is you happening to things. Uh, If we have learned to be negative and helpless, then we can learn to be positive and hopeful. Uh, in the book, the flip side—it's a, no a new book—where some of this comes from, there's a brilliant test on optimism and your score and whether you're optimistic or not. I was going to do the test, but the reason I don't do the test is—and I'm no meaning you—I'm just, I'm just saying in general, most people don't tell the truth with tests. They don't tell the truth because because they want a big score. So they don't tell the truth, so there's absolutely no relevance whatsoever. Uh, if you want the test, if you email us, I'll, I'll forward it to you in an email, and you can do the test yourself as honestly or as dishonestly as you want. Uh, the thing is, is when you do personality tests, I don't know if you've ever done a personality test, they're all different personality tests, but some of them are we animals. You can be a lion, an otter, a golden retriever, that means you're dead nice, a golden retriever, or you can be all different things. Most people that do that test are desperate to be a lion. Yeah. And then they're telling lies. Yeah. Yeah. B- because they've no growl. Yeah. <laughs> but they want to have a growl because they think that's beneficial. It's the same with the pessimistic. Oh, the, 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 there's a guy called Matt Barson. He's brilliant at it because he actually delves into the psychology of people telling lies. So he asks you questions that are totally irrelevant, knowing that you'll not tell the truth. Then you eventually get the answer that you need anyway, uh, Which helps. So maybe if you want to do one of the tests, you can do one uh, and send us it. A Native American Indian chief was once asked how he's seen life. He said, "My life is like two dogs inside me. One a pessimist, the other an optimist, and they're always fighting each other." He was then asked which one wins. He says, "The one I feed the most." There is a flip side to everything. There's always a flip side there's always a flip side to every problem and every situation and dilemma. Betty Naismith, to me, you'll know Noah. Uh, I don't know her either. Betty Naismith Graham, in the 50s, had to manage her son on her own while trying to hold down a secretarial job. She had one problem, however. She was a poor typist and kept on making mistakes. Uh, One day she was walking home from work uh, when she seen two... Uh, billboard artists painting over the mistakes uh, that they made on the billboard sign and then she thought if artists can paint over their mistakes surely a typist can paint over the mistakes she went on a mission and found a solution that we know today as Tippex wow. <laughs> she sold that company to Gillette the best the man can get yeah. <laughs> For 25 million. Amazing, eh? Yeah. They were a flip side. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sylvan Goldman was sitting in his office trying to figure out how his business was failing. Uh, he owned a supermarket. Uh, he couldn't get customers to buy stuff, so he thought, well, what I need to do is, is get more stock. That tends to be a common entrepreneur mistake. We'd get more stuff. Churches make that mistake too. We're no doing enough. Let's do everything. Yeah. Let's do signs and wonders and let's do this and let's shabba dabba do and let's get flags and let's do this and let's do this and let's have that. And let's do hundreds of stuff because so that we can attract everybody. Yeah. Uh, uh, and he was failing and he was sitting in his office on his chair and he looked across the room at another chair that was sitting that had wheels on it. And he came to the conclusion that the reason it's happening is, is that this was in the, the 20s and 30s that the problem was that people were carrying wicker baskets for, for their messages, for their shopping and they couldn't get enough in it. There and then he invented the shopping trolley. Yeah. And now you see these suckers everywhere. Yeah. And I mean everywhere. You know, no necessarily near shops. No, uh, if you're North Lanarkshire, you see them in parks. Up bangs tied to swings uh, in people's back garden with plants in them. I mean, these suckers are everywhere, aren't they? Uh, there are so many answers around us that help us flip things around, but do we see them? Okay, let me give you more. Uh, they took a group of people out for dinner. Twenty people experimenting. They took them out for dinner to a posh Italian restaurant. Uh, and they took another group of 20 people to a not-so-posh Italian restaurant. On the posh menu, they were offered homemade organic pasta with Devonshire butter, garlic sauce, fresh garden herbs with warm homemade rustic ciabatta. I know it's only 20 to 12, but that's, that's making my mouth water now. The others were given veg pasta and bread. That's it. 98% 98% of them who had the posh food were extremely satisfied jovial in their conversations and even the creativity as they set them task they became more creative in their thinking uh, compared to only 32% who had pasta and veg uh, or veg pasta but here was the experiment both dishes were identical no different same dish just perception just the expect Haitian yeah. Yeah. had changed yeah. uh, before I get back into David's story and you're wondering where I'm going with this David and Goliath thing because you're, like, you're talking about David and Goliath there and taking down giants I've heard a million messages yeah. on slaying giants and taking down giants and being a giant killer and ooh you're a giant killer <laughs> I've heard millions of messages launch, some some good I've heard millions, some good, uh, on taking down giants and you're a giant killer and taking down slay a giant. Uh, this is just a wee bit different. you are a thinking church. Uh, so, uh, But before I do, let me, let me just say this. There's a young boy who lives in Sacramento Mountains. He's not so young now in America. His name is Ben Underwood. He's normal. In every way, he likes running, playing with his brother. He loves basketball. He loves Xbox games. In fact, his dream is, is to become a guy who creates games. Most young boys are into that. I, I, really, young boys who like playing Xboxes and Playstations don't want to become a gamer mm-hmm. yeah. maker. And they, they, they're very small, the proportion it does. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dundee, in fact, I'm, I'm sure you know this. Grand Theft Auto was created in the amazing yeah. One City Many Discoveries. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, this wee boy has one secret, however. He's no eyes. He developed cancer as a young, young boy, and his mother had to make a heart-rendering decision to either lose his eyes. He's got kid-on eyes, just, just plastic eyes. Uh, lose his eyes, or the cancer would spread into his brain and kill him. When he woke up from the operation, he cried out to his mum saying, I can't see, I can't see. His mum walked over and says, Ben, you can't see, and put her head in his hands. And she says to him, You can see with your hands. She then rubbed her hair in his nose and said, You can see with your nose. And then he touched, she touched his ears with her fingers and says, you can see Ben, you can see with your ears. She then kissed him on the lips and says, you can see with your mouth. Months later, they were driving along the highway uh, in the mum's car when he said to his mum randomly, what a beautiful skyscraper they've built there. Uh, His mum was astounded. As there in front of them, to her right-hand side, was this huge skyscraper being built. What had happened is, is the boy was the first and the only boy who's learned to do something no one else has ever done. He learned how to see through eco-location. Eco-location is how dolphins see. Has any of you ever swam with dolphins? <sighs> Honestly, we're such an out there bunch, aren't we? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're so exciting, as I can tell by looking at you. So excited here. We're such an excitement. Oh, I've never swam with dolphins. I knew James had. Dolphins are amazing. They, 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 they use eco-location to see things. Just this isn't a wee offshoot. A dolphin can hear the difference through a 10-foot wall. Between a two pence drop in the ground and a five pence drop in the ground, knows the difference. A dolphin is so sensitive to people that a pregnant it would not get near a pregnant woman if it was swimming because they would understand it's pregnant through its echolocation and through, it, through its ticks. This wee guy learned how to see through ticks. He could see sizes, shapes, he could call out actual specific things. Uh, in fact, now there is new ways that people can see. A professor called Dr. Paul Bach invented a device called tactile vision, which I just love that name in itself, tactile vision, uh, where he has made glasses, Would you hear this, that actually rest in your tongue of blind people. Glasses that rest in the tongue of blind people I know you're looking at me I I can't believe I've came to church this morning for you to talk about glasses resting in tongues Uh, uh, he was shunned for years by experts who said that without a retina you can't see this was Bach's answer Uh, your eyes don't see your eyes are merely information that sends signals to the brain And guess what? This is what he said. Your brain doesn't have any emotional attachment to where that information comes from. Wow. He concluded, there is nothing special about the optic nerve. It's the mind that has all the power. This thing that he created with the glasses on the tongue, just to tell you, it was a bit like pixels on a television. So when you see pixels, there's millions of pixels. It's not like tellys of the old days. They were just like, pff, no. But now there's these televisions, curved televisions, all that. No, I think even, now we're beyond curved televisions. I think that's so, that's so last year, curved televisions. <laughs> we're onto something else now, where, where the, 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 the actual pixels get, I think they get more and more and more. I could be wrong here, but what happens is, he created these glasses with people sitting in a seat where it was like pixels, so they could start to see Through senses. People can actually see without having eyes. How amazing is that? Uh, uh, So what did David see? Here is a giant. An absolute giant. That everybody's terrified of. Everybody's terrified of. The logic in a five foot seven. It's roughly what height David was. Going to fight this massive giant. Giant. What is it David's seen that, that, that we've never seen? Now, in church for years, we are obsessed. In fact, Scottish people are obsessed. British people are obsessed. The world is obsessed. But I think Scottish people are amongst the biggest culprits of being obsessed by underdogs. Yeah. We are obsessed by... If you're not under... We don't like favourites. We don't like favourites. We, like we don't like... We don't like... You know when Jesus had money and then he goes, he had ten, he gave to one man ten talents, so he gave to one man 10 pounds, he gave, her for just using pounds just for an example, he gave another man 5 pounds and he gave another man 1 pound, then what the man with 1 pound did is he buries it and, and God arrives the, the steward arrives and, and says wicked servant, who does he give the pound of? The guy who's 10, see we don't do that we don't do that, we're, we're, we're Scottish we don't want people to get above their station we would just get to the, the guy that's got 10 has got plenty don't give it to the guy that's got plenty. God doesn't think that way. God's like, give it to the guy Get has got plenty. He'll keep producing stuff. Yeah. So we're obsessed with the underdog. Yeah. We are obsessed with the underdog. I'm going to show you just in the next few minutes how David, how, by the end of this, if you were a betting man, you'd be betting on David. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way you'd be betting on this big giant. Yeah. At first sight, you would be betting on the giant, but there's a flip side. Yeah. Yeah. There's a flip side. Yeah. Yeah. There's always a flip side. Yeah. Uh, so, what does David see? So let me get back through some of the scriptures and then we'll explain what David saw that, that tends to be what humans don't see. Yeah. Well, because we just see the giant and we just see the problem yeah. and we just see the situation and our perception just runs a riot so, so. and we actually don't see what could be there. We yeah. don't see the facts. We don't see what could be achieved. Yeah. We, we don't see that the young boy could use clicks to see. We don't believe that you can get glasses that rest on your tongue to make you see. I mean, why would you? Why would you? Yeah. But see, through life, and for me being a Christian for for the length of time, which isn't that long, 14 years, and then been in recovery before that, and sober over eight, clean and sober over 18 years, and, and actually seen how people look at things and you sometimes are shocked when you renew your mind. Yeah. You think, I can't believe that's how you see. Yeah. That's why Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I, but I say unto you. Because, no, that, the, why Apostle Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of the world, how you've been taught, but therefore you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. No, so, If we don't transform by the renewing of your mind, life will just keep happening to you. Here's the problem when life happens to you. Everybody's got to change. Everyone's got to change. Because it's their fault. See if you happen to life, only you have to change. If life happens to you, everybody's got to change. You just need to put a sign up saying, fragile handle with care. But if you happen to life, only your perception needs to change. In fact, I'm going to talk about this tonight, but just, just in a wee offshoot. See, when, Apostle, when, when Jesus met Apostle Paul, he says to him, first I'm going to deliver you from the people to know whom I'm going to send you. Uh-huh. Who's he delivering himself with? We think it's people out there. Yeah. When the truth is what Jesus was talking to Paul about was people in here. Yeah. Yeah. Was the people in your head that you need delivered for? Yeah. You know, if you want to have successful people in your life, you need to get delivered for your inadequacy that makes you frightful of successful people in your life. If you want help for smart people, you need to get delivered for smart people so that the smart people will be sent into your world. If you want, if you want to help, if you want to help hurting people, you need to know being, you need to go over your own internal hurts to help hurting people. That's what Apostle Paul was saying. So so this is how David seen things it says so and a champion went out from the camp of the Philistine named Goliath from Garth, whose height was six cubits in span that's a big guy that's nine and a half feet I mean David's five foot seven I know when you maybe have see when I used to, see when I used to drink I used to think I could beat Goliath you know what I mean because I was like you know I can oh I'll kick him you know I had the karate juice once I had the karate juice you know what I mean once you had the karate juice, I could take people down and moan head. Yeah, yeah. Uh. He nine and a half feet. Some say maybe a bit more, but that's roughly between nine and nine and a half feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head. That restricts his sight. So, David's seen a guy at nine, f- f- nine foot five, who's got an agility problem. Uh, he says that he was armed with a coat of mail and the coat weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. That's six stone jacket. Wow. Wow. That's heavier than a wet donkey jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's heavy. Six stone jacket on. Helmet. Nine foot five. It's terrifying. You would think. And we paint this picture and him being terrifying because... We, we, instru- we read things through our perceptions. Yeah. But David's got a different perception here. Yeah. And I'm telling you, see by the end of this, you're going to, you're going to be like, I could beat him, I know. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, he had a bronze armour on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. I'll tell you in a minute about that. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield bearer went before him. Okay, the sharp bit spear just the sharp bit of his spear weighed roughly seven stone. Here's a guy with a helmet that makes him can't you see. He's nine and a half feet tall. He's got things running about his legs. He can't move. He's got a spear that weighs seven stone, and that's just the jaggy bit. He's got a spear that weighs seven stone. That's just the jaggy bit. And see the weaver's beam. That's about eight feet long. It's about a wood that's eight feet long. And here he's sitting here like this. He's having. He's, he's, he's that. He's, he's, he's that unable that he can't even carry his own shield, okay? Yeah. Just if you're a real Bible scholar here, sometimes that would happen just as a sign of honour. I've been in Africa, and, and it's very common if you go to African church, that people, when you arrive, that people want to carry your Bible as a sign of honour. It's a bit like that, but but regardless of this, this guy couldn't have lifted it anyway, yeah. okay? So, not to mention that he's also bound with this, Stuff about his legs. I, it doesn't even tell you what the stuff about his legs weighs. But I'm thinking it's a lot. Yeah. David has seen some that the rest are no seen. He's seen the weakness in the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. David is no pessimistic. We look at giants and we look at problems and we look at their shininess and we look at how they're dressed and we look at how they are and we look at them being smart. When I was a young guy getting brought up eh, I was brought up in my family. No, I was not brought up in poverty, but we had a terrible poverty mindset in my family. Meaning, my family were always intimidated by well-dressed businessmen. I, the rent man. Now the rent man, my family were intimidated by the rent man. So the rent man would come back. Now we, I went to a hotel years ago in Dubai called the Burj Al Arab. The Burj Al Arab, the big seven-star hotel in Dubai. I would never go to it now. Could never afford it, but never want it. And I remember being in it and somebody says, is that no very intimidating? And I says, are you kidding? They should be intimidated by me. I'm paying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the one that's paying. Yeah. They only work here. Yeah. But we've got men say, oh, no, it's intimidating, is it? It's not intimidating for me. It's about £600 a night. They should be intimidated by me that I had sick. I didn't even have my head to pay 600 pounds for a tail night. But I was half my head so. <laughs> David is no pessimistic. Nor is he swayed by what his eyes or ears are trying to tell him. All the shouting and all the intimidation is no binding him from opportunities. All the intimidation. Are you hearing me here? Yeah. All the intimidation. That he feels internally That everybody else in the battlefield feel internally. Yeah. It's no storm him scene. What's going on? Yeah. Have you ever amazed about when you start getting intimidated what you don't see? Yeah. Have you ever started getting nervous in your work and all of a sudden you almost don't know what your name is? Yeah. What's your name? What's your name? Yeah. You almost don't know anything. You become, you become instantly stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But you lose your brains. Yeah. Let me tell you something. This, this makes me really popular. A lot of Christians have lost their brains. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've flung away their brains and they just start seeing things that doesn't even exist. They stop seeing the opportunity. Yeah. They stop, they've no got an entrepreneurial spirit. They say, there's an opportunity here. Why don't I put wheels on that chair make it into a basket? Yeah. Make it into a shopping trolley? Here we go. Yeehaw. And all the shouting, see the giant shouting, "Who are you? Who are you? Who do you think you are?" And David's like, ah, "He can't move. Yeah. He can, he 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 can't even he can't he can't even carry a shield. Yeah. He can't move." Yeah. Uh, so he's only saying so it was when verse 17, and forty-nine. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Here, here, David. Give David what he's doing is he's taking out the shield. He's taking out the shield. So before the giants got out of his bed yeah. off the chair, David's running. Yeah. You know, see if you want to take down giants, and I don't have all these giants, but see if you want to take down a giant, you need to get out of your bed. Yeah. Yeah. you need to move. Yeah. You need to move. Yeah. You know, have you ever have you ever tried to take down a giant or no take down a giant when you can't kind of get up? Mm-hmm. See if you can't kind of get up, you can't kind of get on. John Jack Vitriano, the Scottish artist. You ever seen that? One? No, yeah. Jack Vitriano does the umbrella thing. You see it in it season no, that. No, it yeah. well, it's a print. <laughs> well, if you've seen me in one, it's a print. <laughs> Somebody's like, "That's an original." Oh, original, right. original, fake. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Sometimes you go on holiday to places and they sell you stuff. Original, fake. Yeah. Uh, Jack Vitriano was asked how to young budding artists. How do you? How do you succeed? He says if you want to go on you need to get up. Yeah. 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 So David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine and then David put his hand on his hand in, uh, put, put his hand into his bag and took out a stone and slung the stone. Now this is what they say about a smooth stone and a sling. They say that a smooth stone and a sling these slings that is the equivalent of the speed of a 45 revolver. Wow. Bullet. Yeah. Same speed. So the speed of one of these slings and a smooth stone because of the aerodynamics, it's the same speed roughly as a bullet scale you between the eyeballs. So you're dead. Yeah. And here's this giant. Here's this giant got all this gear on. Here's this giant got all this stuff but, but what has he got? Uh, so, it's long as it struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth before the, the giant got off his backside David's already in his fighting position sometimes we don't move until the problem happens we don't ask advice until we're in bother do you know one of the things that I've learned over the years is I start asking advice when I'm doing well see if you, see people that don't ask advice until they're not doing well usually never do well because they're not looking to get well they're looking for relief you know I mean they're looking for escapism from the problem people that take down giants ask for help before the giant yeah. Yeah, good. You know, and they also ask for help after the giant yeah. which is a big mistake that people tend to rest after the giant uh, the giant can't even carry his shield it's simple, David's like simple, run around the shield but we wouldn't we would, humans don't do that, we go oh no look at this we can't perpetrate, we can't infiltrate the enemy yeah. uh, and you have to move to get away from your enemy I heard, I heard uh, Billy Graham asked how he deals with temptation he says turn and run yeah. wow we are a right spiritual answer there eh yeah. super spirit Billy Graham the greatest evangelist ever to live how do you deal with temptation turn and run yeah. he said this, it's not the first look it's a sin it's every look after it yeah. Uh, and David knew not to lie down when the enemy was trying to get up yeah. Yeah. Uh, run dodge be agile mm-hmm. uh, one of the biggest mistakes I find that people make is, is they remove themselves with the people who can help them when they're in a problem yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. there's two reasons why they do that one they're frightened but another reason is, is they want to fulfill their flesh so they run away for the people who's good for them. Yeah. Yeah. They run away for the people who's good for them when they're in a problem. Instead, they run into towards these people. Yeah. Yeah. So they run away for them for two reasons. One, so that, they can, so that they can just continue to do what they want to do without feeling bad. They just need to remove the Micaiah for their life. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Old Testament. Ahab met a man called Micaiah who could tell the truth. Mm-hmm. And Ahab didn't this. He says, this guy doesn't tell us what I hear. You ever get people you like, oh, think They never tell me what I want to hear. I'm just going to remove them from my life and just shut them out of my life. Yeah. Somebody who was once in your life who could actually help you and advance you to take down giants has now been shut off in another room because you don't like what they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good. No, uh, Okay, let me just kind of bring this in. Let me go to verse 15:51 50 51 as we bring this in. This is a bit I didn't read at the start. Uh, so David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Here's a classic here. See, when I was studying this, this is classic for me. This is the stuff that keeps me up at night. <laughs> this just, this wee bit here. This is, just, no, see when you are in your bed, no born your shirt. I'm not preparing this for use. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is, this is, This is what David did when he went to battle. So if if, if you've been in church for any length of time, you'll know that the Bible's a sword. Okay. So you know this is the word of God. It's the sword. It says David. Now here's the question I want to ask. Is David God's anointed man of God? Is he anointed? Has David been picked? Okay, so we can't deny that. Has is David, is David been, did Samuel no come to David and anoint him to be king and no soul. Yeah. So we're in no doubt that David's king. Are we, are we cool here? Yeah. We're in no doubt that he's God's anointed. He's the man. Yeah. Hear this guy going to a battle without his Bible. Yeah. Are you kidding? Mm. No. He's no, he's no going to, because we would be so spiritual. Everyone, oh, just name and claim the world. Word, name and claim. I was talking to Callum last night. The word devil means diabola Hebrew or Greek whatever you want to call it diabola to hurl and to cast and to throw second one abuse so many are not taking down giants because all we are doing is hurling back abuse yeah. to the giant yeah. without using any skill yeah. Yeah. what about your skill? Yeah. what's which, which your skill? Oh, well, I'm just naming and claiming God's word out. Listen, that's fine and that's good. See, before David done that, he had to use his skills. So he says, I didn't even take my sword with me; it was weighing me down. Religion weigh you down. Religion weigh you down. Are you hearing me? Religion weigh you down. Oh, well, I just name and claim it. You're not doing anything different from what the enemy's doing at times. You're not doing anything different. With so what the enemy's doing to yeah, you—that's all, that's all the Philistine, That's all Goli- Goliath was doing: was shouting and hurling abuse. Yeah. So we think we've to shout and hurl abuse back. But David's—I'm looking at this for a different perspective here. Yeah. David is no the underdog here. He's looking going. I wish I wish there were a brooks here. Yeah. Oh no! You can hear the spirit. You can you can hear the spiritual people going out talking a bit, gambling, talking a bit, gambling. Uh, uh. Cause see if see if this was a fight, see if this was a boxing match, who would you be? No, before the start of this, you'd be going, "Oh, I'm betting, I'm betting, i him, I'm, I've, I've, I've got, I've, got my money on, I've got my money on this guy. Yeah. I've got my money on this guy. He's bold, he's blah No, does any of you watch boxing? Yeah. Uh, Conor McGregor's going to be fighting. Floyd May, are you kidding? Are you kidding? Just cause this wee guy can shout and get angry. <laughs> He's fighting the world's greatest, the pugilist. The world's best boxers can't hit him. The world's best boxers have never hit him. His face has been unmarked in fifty-five, You couldn't mark him with an axe. The guy's Perfect. The guy's perfect. Fighting the world's best fighters. And a wee Irish guy causes a bit aggressive wants to come. I'll kick him on. I'll kick him on. Vocal pay thousands and thousands in pay-per-view you watch Mayweather. Make a fool of him. Yeah. I'm telling you. No, people are no, No, he's, he's got a chance. A betting man. David's the exact same. David's there and he's gone... I'm going to phone Betfred. <laughs> <laughs> i am been fifty pound on me at Betfred. I'm a total certainty here. I am a total certainty. Yeah. What's my odds? Oh, you're five million one. Yeah. You're five yeah. 50 pound on David to take down the giant five foot. I'll collect my money, no problem. This guy can't he move. Yeah. This guy cannot move. This guy can't he move. This guy can't he see? But it makes us feel good. Makes us feel good for him to be an underdog. Because that makes us feel good about inadequacy. No, it makes us feel good to be, because we, we feel inadequate and it's better to be an underdog because we don't want success to get on us. Listen, you're Scottish. It's never going to harm. You're never going to get above your station. You're Scottish. We have got an A level in inadequacy. Misty, do you know what I mean? So, uh, uh, so he never took his sword. Uh, don't over-spiritualise your battle. I don't go anything. I don't go anywhere without the. World. We understand that. Let me give you a story, before I close. Years ago, I helped a young guy who was an addict. His name was Paul. Paul was a great guy. Paul. Paul was a, a hardcore addict, and then became a methadone addict, which doesn't work. No, I'd be political, but just it's not even political. It's just I. I, I no, I mean this does not work. Yeah. Uh, so he went, he got off heroin, but then it was, he, he got methadone for free. Right, yeah. So he became a methadone addict. Mm-hmm. He was in a bad way and I took him to some recovery, kind you know, meetings and he came to church and he got saved. And then we hadn't seen him for a week or two. This is years ago. I hadn't seen him for a week or two and I, I was trying to get in touch with him and I couldn't get him out. I, I ended up driving down to his house and I opened the letterbox of his house and I thought I could see his ankles dangling. And I opened the door and was able to open the door and he was hanging for the rafters. This sword was dangling two feet below, well, sitting on the ground, wasn't dangling, two feet below him on the ground, opened It didn't save him. And the reason it didn't save him is is because even though that was the sword, he didn't use any help or skills that he needed to beat the giant. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't enough. Yeah. And if we over religious stuff here's David God's anointed man, I'm gonna just leave the word I'm gonna leave the sword done in it. It's getting on me. It's getting on me. The religion's getting on me. And it's, I, I, we're not saying it's known, important, listen, listen here. Uh, and I can, I can say this, I can imagine saying this in certain different types of churches. And I would absolutely have a heart attack at this stuff. But I'm not in that type of church. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not in that type of, I'm in this church. Yeah. 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 Talking to yous, yeah. who get this. Yeah. Yeah. And for the people that get this, good. Yeah. Yeah. And religion can weigh you down. But what we want to teach us, what have you got? Yeah. Where's your skills? Yeah. What's, what have you got that nobody else has got? What skills have you got that nobody else has got? Your skills are as important. Here we go. Your skills are as important as the word. Your skills are vital. Vital. Yeah. What you have been equipped with. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. Is largely, is probably, well, this is debatable. By the way, see the Conor McGregor thing? That's debatable as well. I'll probably get it wrong. The guy who won you in your black, ah, you got it wrong. <laughs> no chance. Anyway, so, uh, anyway, Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe top two, three best, greatest players that ever lived, maybe top five anyway, I would say. He's largely a centre forward now. He doesn't run about the way he runs about. Can he stop scoring goals? Cannot stop scoring goals, the guy. Now, is he individually brilliant? Yeah. Yeah. He's individually brilliant. He can jump like a gazelle. Can gazelles jump? He can jump the one. He's, he's not just, he's still got certain skills and he's using them to the best of his ability so that his career can endure. Yeah. Uh, David had already declared, he knows he's God's man. He doesn't need to cut about and getting weighed down with anointing. Yeah, yeah. Goliath had a huge weakness. He looked scary. He talked scary. But beyond his appearance, he was one big lazy lump. Yeah. In fact, some studies say that he actually was a giant because he had giantism. And the reason he couldn't see David coming because, he, because his condition of giantism that, that affects your eyesight. Now, that's neither here nor there, but it could be true or it may not be. Yeah. Uh, but David didn't allow what was around him to control what was going on in him. Yeah. 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 And so what happens with people is, is that we start allowing what's going on around us and we all of a sudden no, don't know anything. We don't have any skills. We don't have any ability. Yeah. We don't have any intelligence. Yeah. No. It, 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 I've seen so many Christians... So many people come to church and get saved by God's grace and get healed. The amazing things: swans are white, grass is green. You know that stuff when you first get saved; everything's beautiful. It's awesome. Only for ten years later to be contained to death by religion, by putting back on what God had took off, by putting back on what God had took off. I'm going to close. This is what Saul says. This is this is this is one Samuel thirty eight thirty-nine. I'm gonna get go back again. Tell you I was jumping about. So Saul clothed David with his armor and put a bronze helmet on his head. This is before he goes and fights Goliath. And he also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, and David said to Saul, I can't walk in these, for I have not tested them. This is a massive statement. This is this is this this is a fridge magnet stuff. This this would be better than what would Jesus do? <laughs> This would be better than a, what would Jesus do? Bracelet, take it off. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Just take it off. Really Stop nice. wearing what other people have put on you, because yeah. that's how they think you need to be a giant. Yeah. You need to be a giant the way you be a giant. Yeah. Seriously, how are we going to help people if we keep on thinking there's only one way to be a giant? Yeah. There's no one way to be a giant. There's many ways yeah. to be a giant. And do you know the best way for you to be a giant is your way. With your skills, you can't take a giant. Do me my skills or my ability. You need to take him doing with your ability and your set skills. It says then he took his staff and picked himself five stones. One of the greatest mistakes that we make, I think, as humans, Christians, is that we allow the enemy and the giants to shape how we fight. We allow the enemy and the giants to shape how we fight. And see, if you, and see if you've been in church long enough, you just use this and you just start naming it and claiming it without using any of your ability and any of your skills. You are individually brilliant. You are individually brilliant. I know, I don't know messies, but I know some of you. I know a lot of you. I know some of you better than others. And you're individually brilliant. But see, the thing is, if we can't build a church where we create individually brilliant people who, are, who can fight giants and take down stuff with their own agility and their own skills, then nothing will ever happen. Nothing will ever happen. Regardless of where your walk is with God, you know regardless of whether you know that, I know people that are no saved that's taking giants down more than people that are. Yeah, yeah. Why is that? Yeah. Why why is why why is there giant killers and they're not even saved? Yeah. Taking down bigger giants and save people? Yeah. Do you know why? Because they're using their skills. Yeah. They're using what God gave them, they're using their God given yeah. gift yeah. to take them down. Yeah. So couldn't you see the flip side? Mm -hmm. So he tries to get David to dress like Goliath. And the reason he gets him to dress like Goliath, see Saul was about six foot six. Okay, no as big as nine foot five. But Saul was about six foot six. It says that he was a giant man. He towered over most men. Mm -hmm. So Saul was at least six foot six, probably more. David was five foot seven. Saul's trying to put his armour onto David. It doesn't fit. And David's like, I can't he wear that. This will weigh me down. Yeah. Yeah. This giant's no agility. Mm-hmm. This giant's not got the ability to manoeuvre and do what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. He allowed the enemy to intimidate his process. Fraser, do you want to come up? If you don't mind, just start making a wee noise in the corner. <laughs> Give people some hope. How many times ask yourself this question? Just you don't need to shout it. Uh, letters on a postcard. Mm-hmm. How many times have you allowed what was happening to you, or negativity or problems happened to you, for you to forget about the process to freedom yeah. that you used to use? Absolutely. There's a process to victory and there's a process to freedom. Yeah. yeah. You know. I hear it all the time. with people just they're, they're talking and stuff. Say, "Well, what's happened?" As well, I'm struggling. Well, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Well, I've not really been doing anything. Well, maybe you need to do what you were doing when you were winning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you know, need to look at the results and keep doing, keep keep being in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Has anybody heard of a man called Viktor Frankl? Victor Frankl is an amazing man. Victor Frankl was a a doctor, but he was a a psychological therapist. During the war, he was an Austrian Jew, but way before the war. In fact, he was heavily influenced by Freud and Alfred Alder, who were amazing psychologists in Austria a long way because there were not any psychology then, so people didn't need read into your mind and how you thought and how you felt. Now, yeah, you, you, you didn't, They had to prove. They had to prove that there were existential stuff going on in people's lives, meaning meaning that you could you could control what was going on outside you by controlling what was going on inside you. Yeah. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. And Victor Frankl was one of the greatest forerunners in that stuff, along with Freud, Alder and and, and and Carol Gustav Jung. Who 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 phrased the neurosis as a substitute for legitimate suffering? The problem is the neurosis becomes more damaging the suffering it was to avoid, meaning alcohol is a neurosis, alcohol or drugs or, or or hiding shame or 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 neediness or whatever it is. Trying to hold on to that becomes more damaging than dealing with it. Do you get what I'm saying? So neurosis as an alcoholic and as an addict. Uh, My my neurosis was alcohol. So alcohol was my substitute for legitimate suffering. Legitimate suffering would be as, I need to deal with my low self-esteem, my low self-worth, my rejection, my jealousy, my inadequacy. Do you understand what I'm saying? All that stuff. So the alcohol was a neurosis. It was a substitute for legitimate suffering, legitimate loneliness, legitimate hurts, legitimate stuff. The problem is that when you take the illegitimate anaesthetic, the placebo, wow. it becomes more damaging and more painful than facing the pain of the reality what you're facing in the first place. Yeah. 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 Hence, that's what Saul's doing. No, pull on loads of armour, make yourself look like a giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no real, but we'll try and do that. And, and Victor Frankl was a forerunner in this thought process. He was in. He he was an Austrian doctor, but he ended up getting arrested, as as did, if they didn't flee, and he ended up in Auschwitz. And in Auschwitz, he was. He ended up in a forced labor camp because some of them got gas, but some of them, if they could get used to work, would send them out to work, and then uh, in in the freezing cold winter. And he says that this is, this is, what, it, what, this is what his whole existential ex- exterior that you can deal with stuff in your... If you get yourself right and put yourself into a good place and actually see things from a different perspective, yeah. you can actually cope and overcome and manage so many yeah. things that you don't think things that are happening to you, you know you're, you know you're happening to them. Yeah. And this is what he says. He says he was walking along through a forest with hundreds of men. In the freezing cold, he says, and men were dropping like flies. Just dying with exhaustion, malnutrition, broken hearts. He says, the man who was next to him put his hand on his shoulder and says to him, I hope my wife and kids are in a better camp than this. He says, the two of them never spoke again. He says, but he knew as they were walking through the ice and the thick snow and falling, he knew that two of their minds were totally drawn to their loved ones mm-hmm. as they kept on walking through hell. Yeah. Yeah. This is what he says. It took Viktor Frankl on a journey to discovery that so many have benefited from the day. For hours and hours he thought of nothing else but his loved ones and the memories of how they loved him. He came to the conclusion and wrote books that have now shaped modern psychology since called Man's Search for Meaning from death camp to existentialism. He wrote this when he eventually got back to the camp from the grueling day's work he wrote, we then understood from Psalm 27, oh, he wrote this first, the salvation of man can only come and must come through love and in love. He then wrote from Psalm 27, the angels are continually lost in perpetual contemplation of our infinite glory. Saul thought he had to take down a giant being being dressed like a giant. A sword, a helmet, a coat, armour. When what David needed was his own strengths and his own skills and to draw for what was in here The human's ability to overcome. The human's ability to see beyond the circumstances. No Christian tools. How God made you. How God made you unique and fearfully and wonderfully. David Dunderdog. You kidding? I'm putting 50 pound on him <laughs> because he refused to dress like an enemy to beat an enemy yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. for me there's a flip side yeah. to every single thing in life yeah. there's a flip side yeah. we just need to be willing to see it yeah. we just need to be willing to see there's a flip side there's a flip side for every problem you've went through there's a flip side for every dilemma you went through there's a flip side for Ben Underwood who couldn't see there's a flip side, there's a flip side for, for Betty Maxwell who, who created Tippex and made 25 million. There's a flip side for Salthien Goodman who, who found that putting wheels on a basket would make people put more stuff in a trolley. There's a flip side. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. Can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages.